This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Today, our guests are Tim Shikarian with Beamer PhD and Tatsu Tsushida with Tokyo Automotive. But before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. So thank you to our friends at RepairPal for providing this episode. As shop owners, we were part of RepairPal's certified network, and it was great for our business. Learn more about RepairPal at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. Well, Tim and Tatsu, we are grateful to have you here today. Let me give you all just a quick opportunity to uh, introduce yourselves and you know tell a little bit about your shops. Tim, why don't you go first? All right. Well, my name is Tim Shakarian. My wife and I, Johanna Reichert, uh, own and run Beamer PhD Motorsports here in Pasadena, California. Uh, we've been in business for about 13 years. Um, I started the shop as a uh, single technician, leaving the dealership because I thought I could uh, do it better on my own. And uh, 13 years later, we've uh, grown into a three tech, two advisor, uh, one helper, and Johanna and myself running the business. So it's a uh, been a fun growth process, and I love playing the infinite game. Awesome. That's it. My story starts a little bit further back. Uh, my father started a shop in 1978. I grew up sweeping the floors, taking out the trash, and that kind of thing. Never in my mind, I ever had anything else in my mind that I wanted to do with my life other than to take over the shop. I even went to business school while going to tra- automotive trade school at the same time. And I never wanted to be uh, in the cubicle farm. My only goal and goal was to get to a point where I can take over dad's shop. We're here to talk about something a little bit different. And there's no telling where this episode's going to go. <laughs> we're just going to have fun today and we're going to talk about some different things. But I was on a call that Kent Bullard with the Institute had put on that was about marketing. He just kind of threw it out there to their members and said, hey, let's have a call about marketing and let's just, you know, kind of a round table. Let's talk about some different things. And I had the benefit of being on that call. And during the call, Tim brought up a guerrilla marketing technique that he used. I love guerrilla marketing. It's one of my favorite types of marketing to do. And it's how we got started in, in our shop when we were marketing, when we had no marketing budget. But I love what it was that you did, Tim. So why don't you tell our listeners about this thing that you've been doing? We call it bird droppings. It's quite effective. What we wanted to do was put our name out there to our clients, but at the same time, uh, leave them with a small gift. We got together with our shop and uh, we wanted to leave a gift for our clients, so uh, we picked five uh, cents throughout the uh, kit that they had, and it was really fun because the technicians got to have some input on it, which design they liked, and ultimately what we've got is a small little air freshener that's in a sealed bag, and it's attached to a waterproof uh, little flyer, and it has our statement on it. It's, it says, fueled by passion, driven to excel, and uh, it talks about our three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. And we put this on customer cars. The way that I've got it situated is if you put it in their grab handle, they'll see it. And then when they grab it, they'll have a small little gift. And this was a very effective tool for us because I heard other shop owners had great success with it in another Euro shop down in Orange County. So we decided to try it. And it was a fun project. The very first 
time we went out with it. My son at the time was uh, 16, 17 years old. And uh, we went out and hit the various parking lots where in our neighborhood we knew while we're driving through, this is where the prosperous BMWs are. We only work on BMWs and Mini Coopers, so it made it real easy. Once we see cool cars, it's kind of like you leave it on that person's car. Sometimes you leave it with them and it strikes a great conversation. People are grateful because you didn't just leave a piece of business card on their car. Most people just hit the wipers and off it goes, but they're actually getting a gift and they hang the air freshener on their rearview mirror. And it's funny, Brian, because my wife and I went to lunch uh, here in Pasadena and there was a BMW that we saw parked right next to us. It had our air freshener on it. So I took down the license plate number and, you know, phoned in on the text and said, hey, did you guys get this in your system? And they said, no. So it's nice to know that some people are getting it. They're benefiting from the free gift aspect of it. But to my point, this is very effective. On the front of it, it says, your mechanic should be as awesome as your BMW. When the new car smell fades, it's probably time for a new awesome mechanic. You're not just putting an advertisement on someone's car. You're not just putting something on their car and asking them for something. Instead, they're actually giving something to the client. They're giving them this this air freshener. It's a gift. But the other thing is, how many times have you gotten in your car after the car's been sitting in a parking lot, and oh my gosh, if it's raining, it's even worse. But you get in the car, there's something under your windshield wiper. Now you have to get back out of the car and get it. Well, the way that they set this up, it goes on the door handle so that people have no choice but to see it before they get into the car. So it's not, it's not something that bothers them. It's not something that, that you know, creates a negative thought about the business. And instead, it's a, it's a gift and it's convenient. So I, I love that. Tatsu, you have basically the, the same thing? Mine's a little bit different. I hate air fresheners. <laughs> I don't like the smell, so I don't give anything like that. At first on my lap, uh, I had this one, which says, you know, fabulous Prius. This is cookie cutter. Um, there's a couple of shops in our, in our 20 group that has taken this template and used it for their sales. I took it a step further. Here's the newest version of that same card. I made it personal. So instead of, you know, having something generic where it says, you know, we love your wonderful Prius. Now it's we love your Prius and it shows me hugging the car in front of our shop. So it kind of gives a, a personal effect to it. We have cards that are specific to uh, some of the makes and models. Obviously, Prius is really specific because Prius is a car that is still stereotyped as it can only go to the dealers. You know, and a lot of people think that because it's a hybrid, it just cannot be seen by an independent shop. So that card uh, for the Prius had to be special. I have a Toyota card. I have a, a Lexus card. Toyota truck card, because Toyota truck people love their Toyota trucks. Pretty much anything specific that's worth working on uh, at our shop, we're a Japanese specialist. The card is, I mean, some of them are still generic, but some of them, as we get nice examples of this, I'll, I'll bust out my nice camera and take a photo of the guys hugging the car. What does the process look like for each of y'all for actually getting these onto cars? Like, is there a dedicated time that somebody goes out? you know, puts these on cars or is it something that you just kind of do when you're out and about and see one? I have a young man and I call him young because he's only a little bit younger than me, but he had a little bit of hardship growing up and he's basically to a certain extent unemployable. 
he goes out to Chamber of Commerce meets for me and, and stuff like that. But he also goes out into the parking lots and, and, and goes, hits up cars. I give him like an allowance or something of, of that nature, like maybe 500 cards a week or something like that. And that's, I, I pay him like 50 cents a card. And as for us, we've got a little cinch bag uh, that has our BMW logo on it. And we put a bunch of these cards inside and there's five different cents. So we wanted the customer to keep coming back. So on the back of the card, it says, if the scent has faded, bring your car in for a free inspection where we do a quick visual inspection. We'll give you a different scent. And we've got five different scents. So the idea is to have the customer keep coming back for those scents. We put one in our shuttle car. We put a couple in our loaner cars. Johan and I have them in our personal cars. And what we try to do is in the evening as we're going home and you're seeing more people going to the gym, as it were. There's a couple of spots here that we've targeted and, and we found it effective. There's a, a certain parking lot here in Pasadena that has like a gym, a little Panera's eatery, uh, Ralph's grocery store. So it's close to our house. It's in between our house and our shop. So uh, it has been a, a lake bed of good progress over there. So in the evenings, Johan on and I, on our way home, we'll stop by. Perhaps we'll be grabbing something from the grocery store. So we'll just scope out which cars that we like. Obviously, we don't want junkers. And we'll want to go ahead and put that on a uh, door handle. And we found it very effective because the very first time we had this campaign go out, my son was doing it at the time. We basically give him a small outline of which vehicles that we like, that we have found to have profitable repairs. And he identifies what those vehicles are. So he's not just putting them on every single BMW because... You know, not everybody's our customer, right? So we want to work on the clients that we know um, that we're able to serve, the cars that are profitable, and the cars that are newer, the cars that are coming out of warranty that have maintenance repairs. And these are the people that relate to that. So we tried to see what would our customer like and appreciate, and then how can we cater towards their needs, but also get them to come back. Because I think the five cents was a key player in this is because we always have marketing and advertising that we do. But if we can keep that marketing and advertising going, that's when you're going to be casting and fishing and reeling and doing it long-term wise. Brian, do you remember what our things were? We had two very specific ones. We just came across a big box of old stuff and we found several of them in there. So it was, I don't know, like eight inches wide, four inches tall. And it's this Sticky pad, but it's not sticky. And you would peel off the back and it adhered, but it it didn't leave a residue. It it wasn't like a sticker. It would sit on the dash of the vehicle. Like a cling, yeah. And people's like cell phone or whatever, it wouldn't slide all over. You know, a lot of times they sit on their car on the seat and it falls off onto the floorboard, but this kept it right there. But it would hit our logo and our website and phone number, debossed or embossed or whatever on there. And people just loved, loved, loved it. But we also, so that one we gave out to our customers. It was an expensive piece. So we gave it out more specifically to people that we would meet or at a, and an event or something like that. But then we also had those like accident kits. Do you remember those? It was just a small, tiny little pouch that you could put in your glove compartment. And it shocked me how much people just love those things. And I think it's just that they felt like you were just giving them something. I don't know that they even really cared. And, and brace yourselves, right? This was back before phones were so crazy popular, right? In your hand, it had a, not a Polaroid, but a little tiny little digital, but it wasn't really digital camera. It was just a disposable camera. 
a little was like it? cardboard thing. Yeah. And so like if they got in a car accident, you know, they could take pictures of, of what was happening. And we had our information, even though we weren't a collision shop, they just loved it. So that was fun stuff. In our case, we had the thing like the business cards and that coupon that we would go put on cars. And I can't say that I ever had anyone say anything negative about it. And I've heard, you know, so many coaches or shop owners say you don't ever put something on anyone's car. But both of you are given an example of something that you that you put on cars and it sounds like it's really well received. What has been your experience with that? It's actually been positive. We had uh, a couple of confused phone calls. You know, some folks were like, hey, I found this thing on my car. What is it? We're like, it's an air freshener. It's a gift for you guys. They're like, really? We're like, yeah, just open it and hang it in your rearview mirror. So uh, a couple of confused ones, but uh, I didn't have any negative effects. Now, when we started going into COVID, obviously we used our discernment and held back from having things that are contact points and making sure that, you know, we're safe. And But as things start opening up, now we're starting to get back into uh, leaving these we call them bird droppings on the cars. And Brian, I'll tell you, they're quite effective. I think the whole entire setup that we had ran us at about $2,500 to do this campaign. And the very first job that we brought in from this was an oil service. And that customer was blown away by our process and how things work in our shop. And I think that ticket came to about $2,000. So within... A very short period of time. It pays for itself. I think the part of it that I really like is you're getting your team involved in this. So they feel like they're a part of the marketing process. And it's not just the owners doing this and saying, here you go. This is what we're going to do. When you're getting the staff involved with the scent and what should we write and what logos, you know, what do you guys want to see on here? It makes the sales and the marketing aspect really come together because now it's their own. They're able to pitch it and give an informative explanation as to why we did this. We're basically just saying, hey, come meet us. Have a cup of coffee, you know, shake our hand, come see our shop. Look at what we've done for our community. And if that's something that you want to do business with, then that's fantastic. And if not, hey, here's another gift for you. I had a Land Cruiser customer basically tell me, I'm like, I hate these things. But yours is so beautiful that I just couldn't ignore it. For the most part, it's been it's been positive. I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today, I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which if you didn't know, We'll introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal certified network, and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops, but the millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged. So we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to RepairPal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. Kim brought up this idea of these other things, you know, that we, you know, give to people once they become clients. And both of you have something cool that you do with that also. Tell us a little bit about that. So I'm wearing it right now. It's a t-shirt. Everybody who comes to the shop that knows my father knows that he's a very stoic person. He's very quiet, doesn't say much. 
it's a bunch of emotions. Every emotion, uh, regardless of what emotion it is, it, it's him with the same face. Uh, when I first made this T-shirt, my dad hated the T-shirt. <laughs> He's warmed up to the idea, though. He now gives it out with a smile to the customers, which is kind of funny. I got the idea from a local body shop that gives out T-shirts to their customers, and I see their T-shirts all over town. For those of you who are listening, if you go to the Shop Marketing Pros YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the shirt that uh, that Tatsu just showed, and also the uh, the bird droppings and anything else that we happen to show on here. All right, Tim, tell us what you do. Like I said, we got these cinch bags when we had our last open house. They're very inexpensive, quick little shoulder backpacks. At first, we were doing them, you know, just as a thank you to customers for coming in, but we started getting a little bit more serious about it. After our open house, we had some T-shirts as well, so we've got. Two styles of Beamer PhD t-shirts. So we'll ask the customers, what size is your t-shirt? And do they like the Beamer PhD traditional style? Or do they like the M-Rain baseball, you know, shorty, a little bit longer sleeves, but quite shorty. So my service advisor and Johanna were talking and, you know, and Johanna goes, I would never wear a t-shirt like that. I said, even though it's cool, she goes, girls don't need to wear t-shirts. We went to prove the point, right? So I was helping out in the counter in the front with my two service advisors. And we had a swag bag that we gave away to a customer. And in it, I had the clip, the air freshener, a pen, a shirt, you know. And I asked her, I said, what would you want in a gift bag? I said, would a T-shirt be something you would wear? And she kind of looked at me and she's like, I don't want to tell him. And I was like, it's okay if it's not something you would wear. She goes, no, not really, but I'd probably give it to my son and my husband. And I asked her, I said, what would be something that you would appreciate getting you know, from a small business. And she was kind of like, well, I don't know. I'm not really certain. You know, we were like, well, what about a tumbler? You know, a coffee cup or like a water tumbler or a sunshade. And she goes, yeah, I think I would appreciate that. So last week we put in our order for uh, sunshades. They go to in your windshield and it advertises your logo right across it. Um, and then we've also got some water tumblers coming. So this way we can switch it around with variety, seeing who's getting what. And I'm telling you, I, I think... At least from my vantage point, I, I'm not a service advisor. I'm not a technician in my shop anymore. So it's nice when you're having these conversations with the customers to say, hey, thanks for coming in. Thanks for trusting us with your vehicle. Thanks for trusting us with your business. And they really appreciate being able to walk away with something in their hands. You know, mom used to say, don't show up empty handed. So when our guests come to our house, we leave them with a gift. And I think doing that leaves such a lasting impression because people relate to that. And we want family people anyway. So, you know, families relate to that kind of hospitality. Both uh, me and Tim, one of our mentors is Ron Inchowski over at uh, CMW, Coast Motor Works. What he did, and I got this idea from him, is give uh, wine glasses out to the local fancy restaurants. And same thing, sort of. This is a beer glass that I give to a local ramen re a restaurant. I've also done the thing where, you, you know, during COVID, you had the hand sanitizers. Well, we got a big hand sanitizer stand, put it in front of the, their business, and, and it has our marketing paraphernalia on it. So I've gotten a few customers out of that. I mean, it's just one more subliminal point where you see the customer and the customer sees you and your logo and whatnot. So I have had a few customers come out of that as well. So I'm not even a beer drinker, but I love those glasses. Every time we get go somewhere, we come home with one. I like them. Well, all right. So let's let's shift the topic a little bit because I know that the two y'all are in a twenty group together. Y'all 
y'all met at this 20 group, right? And that has been something that I know that both of y'all speak very highly of. You've had a, you know, sounds like a, a great experience there. So let's get into that topic a little bit and talk about the 20 group and, and what that has meant for your business. Let's backtrack a little bit here. 2008, I moved back from Japan. I figured I needed a lot of growing up in Japan. And, and after I was done with Japan, I was like, well, I think I'm ready to take over dad shop. And I come home and I find myself working as a technician in dad shop for probably six years at that point. At that point. And STX was happening at uh, Disneyland. Uh, at this particular time. Uh, and it was right down the street. My sales rep for Worldpack just sneaks me in and says, here, here's a couple tickets. I want you to go. He obviously saw something in me where I, I needed to grow or, or, you know, get something going on where I can basically take over dad's shop, which I really haven't at that point until, you know, I was a technician in the back. In 2013 rolls around April, and I have a, the computer at the shop just takes a big dump. We lose everything. Dad was using handwritten work orders at the time, and all the records were kept on an old DOS program. All right, that's it. That's, we're putting a modern point of sale in the shop. And at, at which point I, I moved from the back of the shop to the front of the shop, and I realized very quickly that I couldn't do uh, both. So fast forward, uh, I'm in the 20s group. There's a lot of tips tricks, better ways of doing businesses that I learned uh, through, uh, through this group. When I first started in February 2014, I had 290 cars in the shop a month. This is a seven-bay shop, average repair to order of like 160. Fast forward a couple more years, and uh, we are down to 90 cars a month and an average repair order of like, I think it was close to 1,000 or something like that. There we go. I mean, what a big turnaround. It was roughly the same revenue. And on top of it, one of the cool things about the 20 group is that you have other shop owners that you can bounce off ideas. And it was roughly around that time that Tim was joining the group as well. It's awesome. I mean, I joined the group and I was a learner. I felt like what Brian said in one of your podcasts before, I was like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. Oh my God, I got to do my marketing and get my AROs. I'd understand what's going on with that and fixing our labor rates and we, we didn't know how to do any of that stuff when we first got into the 20s group and i think working with the 20s group is much different than having a personal coach because not only are you working on some of the things for your own business but you're learning from other businesses one of the most enjoyable parts that Johanna and I really appreciate about the 20s group is visiting the other shops once a quarter we do a shop evaluation so we go and you know we meet together and the morning before kind of talk about current affairs and what's being discussed, what's hot, what's not, you know, what to do. And then we'll go visit the shop. And I think that's the most, to me, instilling part because you can see, you know, where the brake cleaner is kept, why, why the mop bucket is put over here. And you learn these little tips. Tatsu will tell you the very first time I had uh, the shop evaluation here at my shop. I took it all personal because, you know, this is, this is your baby. This is your business. So you don't want somebody coming in and telling you what to do. And, you know, that's not right. And this is not right. But, you know, as you mature and like Tatsu was saying earlier in the evolution of being a shop owner, as you mature, you learn and understand that there's going to be a point where you're going to learn to do those things right. And I, I think that's what I've appreciated about being in the 20 groups is I've learned marketing. I've learned how to learn and understand the numbers because you're turning in your numbers every 30 days and you're in a group of nine to 12 other shop owners who are all also turning in their numbers. And this way you're able to see, okay, where do I fit? Why did they do that? How did they get a discount on you know their credit card fees? So uh, it's these little edges that 
give the shop owner the opportunity to come home and, and think and grow and how can I get better because you're going to meet with your buddies again in 30 days and then you're going to meet with your buddies in, again in another 30 days. And the next thing you know, you know, Tatsu and I have been in this group 10 years now and you realize how much you've grown as a business owner from where you first got started to the point now we're understanding marketing and we're having different avenues of marketing and bringing in new customers and why I would want to bring in this customer or why I would not want to bring in this customer. And, and we learn from each other's experiences. I'll tell you in the Southern California group we're in, we're not just all locally right here. Tatsu is about an hour away down in Orange County. So it's nice because you can get together with your friends that are also from different states and you get to see their progress as well. And I'll tell you, from uh, when I first met Tatsu to who he is today, owning two shops and being a clear-headed business owner and we're still having fun together, you know, it, it's an amazing thing. And I think I, I wouldn't have been able to have the success that I have in, in my business had it not been for uh, being involved in the 20s group and business associations. You both just talked about how much you got from it, how much you get from it, whether you came in as a technician who's never been in business as far as being a business owner or anything like that, and now you're a business owner. But then Tatsu, you were raised in that shop watching your dad. So there were things that you picked up from him, but then you also went to business school at the same time. So, you know, people getting involved in these types of groups, whether you are green or you have experience, everybody's learning from everybody. And that's what I remember when we had our shop and we started getting involved. Even though y'all are like an hour away, we know shop owners who are in the same city. Instead of looking at one another as competition and I don't want to have anything to do with you, they instead really look to one another for how can we help each other? How can we help the industry? How can we be better together for our community? And that's something that happens when you get involved in your industry. It's just a beautiful thing to watch happen. I mean, for the longest time, I mean, I looked at the guys next door as competition. I looked at the other shops around my neighborhood as competition. I didn't, I didn't know any better. It's better to help each other out. If it's a shop next door and I can just open up their mind and teach them a few things, the mentality here is, uh, it, we say this a lot in ASCCA, which is another thing we could talk about, but also the 20 group, but like rising tide raises all ships. I don't look at other shops as competition anymore. You know, let's just say for hypothetical reasons, Tim and I are co competitors. We're next door to each other. There's a person out there that's attracted to the way that Tim does things. And there's a person out there that is attracted to the way I do things, however different they might be. And although we, we, we mastermind with each other and give each other tips, his way of doing things are different, always going to be different than my way of doing things. He's going to pick up on things from that 20 group that is different from what I pick up from that 20 group. Everyone has a secret sauce. But it doesn't need to be so guarded, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I think that our industry as a whole has done a really good job. The, the influencers in the industry, you know, the coaches, the associations, they've done a really great job at getting that into people's heads that those other shops are not your competition. And look, don't get me wrong. You know, the shop that's down the street that works on the same brand of car as you, they're a competitor, and when it comes down to it, you want the cars that are going into their shop to be coming into your shop instead. The shop owners that get it, when that other shop owner comes walking in your door and they need help with something, you will still help them, even though, you know, they. when it comes down to it, they really are competitors. You know, so the, the industry has done such a 
good job about getting people to realize that when we work together, it's so much better. I disagree. We're in a bubble. You, me, Tim, all the great shop owners that you and I know, I mean, and we have a large fear, but to us, it seems large. But what is it? There's like the statistic is there's 240,000 shops in, in the United States and only 2% of them go to these learning experiences. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the, the industry, though, is, is, is the events, the associations, the people who are involved. But we're still talking about just a 10, maybe 5 to 10% total of that whole group. And within our sphere and the people that we know, I mean, I know so many shop owners and it's the same people over and over. Yeah, I agree with you on that 100 percent. You know, we go to the events and who do you see? You know, you see the same people there every time. Mm-hmm. And there's so many that are not involved that don't you know, if they're not involved then they don't have the opportunity to share that same you know, idea because they're not being taught that this is the way that it could be. And it's not necessarily that they don't know because like, I agree with both of you, right? The ones who are involved, who are going to these events, who are helping one another, who are doing all the things are amazing. There's so many that are not doing it. And some of them know. Brian and I have, we're close personal friends with three or four shop owners that I can think of right now who just flat out will not get involved. They won't go to a training. We've asked them, we've invited them, we've tried everything. And they're just like staying in their little hole. You know, it's that you don't know what you don't know thing, right? They don't even realize how much they would grow, how much better they could be, how much, I mean, there's so many things and they just are comfortable. The learning for me comes in waves, right? There's times when I just don't want to learn. My my brain is so saturated, but the fact that I just even keep my ear to the ground as to what's coming down the pike, I mean, I think that alone needs to happen for a lot more people. And I think you get to a point as a shop owner where you realize you're fixing cars, you're helping people, but helping shop owners or helping the shop next door is equally as rewarding as helping that customer because you're building a relationship you're helping another shop owner see it a different way, and they will appreciate that. Uh, we had a small experience here in our uh, shop. Um, we're in the Automotive Service Council of California, uh, ASCCA, and another shop owner sent in their BMW, and they said they're unable to set the timing on it. Can you help us out with it? Totally could. The job took a lot longer. Ultimately, the customer called our shop. Awkward moment, right? The customer of the car from another shop calls And I think the communication, them being honest and us understanding this is a complex job, opened the door to that customer understanding that we as a team work together. So he got stuck. So he reached out to somebody in his lifeline. And it's a good thing we're part of this association. Once the customer understood that we're both trying to do what is in their best interest, their tone and their guard changed completely. That's the rising tide that I really appreciate is as a shop owner, as a mature shop owner, now you get the opportunity not to just fix a car or you know get your shop going. It's rewarding when you help other people as well because that's a sense of satisfaction that <laughs> you don't see in this day and age. And when you do, it's like score. That's another thing that I know the two of you are both passionate about or at least advocates of is these organizations like ASCCA. So y'all are both members of ASCCA, different chapters though, right? I'm chapter 48. He's chapter five. So how many chapters are there? 
16 total um, chapters. It was a couple of years ago when they reached out and asked us to teach a class. I didn't realize that there were so many chapters of it. So it was really super cool to hear about that. I mean, California obviously is huge, so it makes sense for there to be some breakaway groups like that. How many members are there? I think we're a total of about 490 members uh, in California, shop owner members. There's also members that are um, associate and vendor members as well, which we need absolutely so that we can, you know, grow and learn from them as well and see what's new in the industry. Um, we couldn't do this without our without our supporting staff. And that's as a business owner, that's what I've learned. If you don't have a whole team that's helping you out with this, one person can only fix one thing <laughs> for so long. But when you bring the chapters together, you learn from each other. So whatever Chapter 48 was doing, Chapter 5 can adopt. And I'll give you a small example of that. Ira, who was from Chapter 48, would call all of their members before their member meeting and say, hey, we're having a member meeting and uh, hope you can make it. And though we're an hour away and love to visit, I think that meant so much that somebody took the time out of their schedule to call and remind us and say, hey, I'm in this industry and I'm doing the same thing you're doing. But I took a moment to say Thanks for being a member and thanks for putting up the good fight. And I think that's super critical because I took that away. And now as a growing leader in our chapter, that's one of the my favorite things to do is call the other members and say, hey, the meeting is this Tuesday. Hope you're able to make it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And I can't tell you what awesome conversations that sparked on. Hey, while I have you on the phone, man, I'm having an issue with this. And it opens the door to building a relationship. And I think that's the key. So is that so, something that y'all use in your marketing? Is the fact that y'all are members of ASCCA? Absolutely. To a certain extent, yeah. To be a part of an association of professionals, right? I think that kind of instills something in the customer to know that I network with other shop owners. There was a there was a customer and the other day, I don't know if you're familiar with Patrick Egan. He used to work over at Kikui. He now does videos and he had a customer testimonial with one of my favorite customers. And she says, you know, Tatsu networks with other shop owners. What he doesn't know, he, ha he has a knowledge base to tap from. She had a couple of years ago uh, a problem with the windshield braking on a relatively new car. The ADOS ca uh, calibration. Not a lot of shops. Most shops farm it out, uh, including mine. And just took it down to Scott Brown's shop and had him take care of it. And I just had her deal directly with her with him. But she was so impressed at the fact that I was willing to open up my Rolodex and say, hey, um, here's the other shop that does it. I'll just send you directly to him. And they got it sorted out. And so she was incredibly impressed with that. So, you know, helping your customers get to know, like, and trust you when you do that, you just increase that trust factor so much. Those connections, you know, I joking, I mean, it's not a joke anymore. It's real. But at some point I got the nickname Queen of Connections and it was because of my being involved in BNI group, the Chamber of Commerce, the things in the industry. And so customers would ask me for a realtor or for, I mean, somebody called and asked one time here in Louisiana, do you know an ice cream man? Like an ice cream man, like who, <laughs> what? But when you become known as the resource the value of them doing business with you just increased exponentially because they know they can trust you with just about anything because you're using those, those connections that you have to benefit them. In California, the big thing here is legality, right? You've heard lawsuits in California. There's all these rules and, you know, a Bureau of Automotive Repair dictates what you do. Well, 
ASCCA holds a seat on the Bureau of Automotive Repairs board. The ASCCA, like a lot of automotive associations, um, has people that are up in Sacramento for us at the state capitol working on our behalf, reviewing uh, certain laws that might adversely affect the operation of an automotive. And it might, it might be the most good-intentioned law ever, but not carefully thought out or executed. And it might not even have anything to do directly with the automotive industry, but they're reviewing all the new laws that are coming down the pike and saying, well, this is going to adversely affect our ability to stay in business. And they basically encourage us to um, vote one way or the other so that uh, the automotive industry can, can continue to, uh, to thrive. It's been a good episode. We've talked about a lot of different things. We talked about guerrilla marketing. We talked about 20 groups. We talked about industry associations and a lot of other things in between there. So I really appreciate y'all you know, being a, a guest on the podcast today. I think y'all brought some really great value to our listeners. And again, we really appreciate both of y'all being here today. Tatsu, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I hope I'm just reaching out to that one shop owner that's had their blinders on forever, right? And what I want to impress upon them, if it's not our group, then then it could be some other group. I mean, whatever group suits you. By being in a 20 group, you really get the advantages of not only coaching, but you're kind of divvying up. You know, you got 20 other shop owners out there that are taking what the shop owner might spend uh, in terms of like, you know, coaching fees and whatnot and divvying it up 20 different ways uh, and you're sharing his time. But not only that, but you, you get to know, and I know like probably close to 200 shop owners all across the United States that I can call up and say, hey, um, how would you take care of this problem? Um, and not necessarily car related, but the business of, of working on cars. And I love having that resource because you not only have the coach, but you have the other shop owners that are forward thinking like you and I want to push the industry ahead into the future. I love the challenge that Tatsu put out there for shop owners, you know, even if it's just reaching out to one other shop owner that you can encourage to get involved. I think that's a great challenge. People can follow us or get in touch with us, reach out in just about any way that you want to. We are kind of everywhere, whether it's your favorite social media, Facebook, Instagram. We are on TikTok. You can obviously go to our website, which is shopmarketingpros.com. One thing we would really love for people to do is to send us an email at podcast at shopmarketingpros.com and tell us a topic that you would like for us to cover. Or if you want to be a guest or if you know someone that would be a great guest, we'd love for you to reach out. And then obviously we want to share with you that Brian wrote a book, The Ultimate Guide to Auto Repair Marketing. You can go to shopmarketingpros.com forward slash book where you can get linked to Amazon or Audible or however you want to get that book, free PDF. We encourage you to go take a look at that. Um, he's gotten some great feedback on what was in that book. So we'd love for you to go take a look at it right there. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on Aftermarket Radio Network. There's some other great shows on the network, and you can find them at aftermarketradionetwork.com or on your favorite podcast listening apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. Tune in for another episode next week, and until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. 
Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.